Welcome to the Radio Free Tote Bag Halloween question answering hour where we're just going to answer some questions and that's it because we're not spooky this year. There's enough spookiness in the world. There's enough real ghosts and ghouls cruising and coursing through my blood that I don't want to put any more into the world. But instead, this week on Radio Free Tote Bag, where I'm Donovan and I'm Arthur. We have, we've talked a lot on this show about how Arthur and I, we're not experts. We don't actually know anything about anything, but we do our best. But this week, we have listener and actual expert on things, Robin Manning with us. What's happening, Robin? Hey, guys. How's it going? We're good. That's, yeah. All things considered. Yeah. it's it's a little strange for me to be recording an episode this close to Halloween and not be completely shithoused. Because uh, yes. in, in previous years I had been broken up with. Uh, and then we did a power hour. And now I'm sober. This is weird. <laughs> <laughs> I went, I've been mostly not drinking too. And I drank liquor over the weekend. And it was horrible. And I felt fucking terrible. And I'm just kind of like, I don't know if I like booze that much. Well, we can be sober together because, yeah, I don't drink either. So, yay. Really? High fives all around. <laughs> the only booze on this show will come from the ghosts that we've captured. <laughs> <laughs> what are we? Are we milking liquor out of ghosts? How does this work? We drink the booze. Arthur. Oh, for fuck's sake. God damn it. <laughs> you become filled with ectoplasm. <laughs> Then you can communicate with the ghosts and get that good shit on Halloween, not just not just the candy. They got ectoplasm bars. They got <laughs> ectoplasm giblets. All kinds of things for your trick-or-treating bag. You just got to drink the booze. Booze. Oh, no. <laughs> That's enough of that. Robin, do you want to introduce yourself in terms of, you know, what you do, who you are, and uh, what ways you're better than we are? <laughs> Uh, (laughs) i'm not necessarily better than than you all because uh nice yeah well everyone's an expert in their own like experiences right like i'm not an expert in your all's sex life or whatever i just know things um but yeah so i'm a health and sexuality educator i work specifically um on college campuses with college-age students um so I'm like the person at orientation that's like, here's how to drink safely, and here's how to use a condom, and here's what Title IX is. Um, and so like the health topics are like mental and physical health, um, and how those things come up for college students. And then my my like speciality is in um, sexual and interpersonal violence prevention, and I do that through comprehensive sexuality education. That's the Lord's work. <laughs> yeah, for for real. Has has it always been with college students, or have you worked with other folks, or you, you do work with other groups? Um, so I, I've only I've only worked on college campuses, and um, that's primarily because I like tripped and fell into this job and found out I was really good <laughs> at it, <laughs> um, and because it's also just like way easier to teach this stuff on a college campus than it is at like uh like a K through twelve school. I would imagine. Yeah, but I I do, um, like, if someone needs, like, a workshop on, like, bystander intervention or um, 
you know, if someone outside of the college wants like me to come in and do like a presentation or something, um, I'd be happy to do it. But primarily I work on college campuses. That's excellent, though. We, we've talked a lot about sex ed on here and about how that t fails a lot in this country <laughs> from like K to K through 12 with people being kind of improperly prepared. Um, and so I'm sure that's helpful to people who are like getting out on their own for the first time. That That is like such a essential time to like hopefully, you know, have a good grasp of these things. But also... I I definitely feel what you're saying. I would imagine kind of getting through and like talking openly with, uh, you know, early 20 somethings is a little better than like me at 16 making stupid jokes and stuff and derailing <laughs> the, the thing. Is that pretty like are people pretty responsive when you're when you're doing workshops or is it one on work, one work you do, too? Um, it's a little bit of both. Um, people are. I guess it depends on what I'm talking about, because <laughs> um, people still, like, make jokes and they're like, Robin, this is stupid, um, which is fine, because um, if they're calling it stupid, they're also listening. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, and then, yeah, like, students will come up to me afterwards and they're like, I want to talk to you about this one thing. And I'm like, okay, absolutely. Um, so, and, you know, a little bit of both, because I'm just, like, there on the campus, right? Like, I'm creating programming. Um, so the students who, like, respond to it, if they didn't feel comfortable, like, raising their hand at the workshop or um, something, like, resonates with them later, I usually have someone reach out and they're like, I want to talk to you about this thing. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, I have colleagues that worked in, like, did sex ed in middle school um, with middle schoolers and they loved it. They loved working with middle schoolers. <laughs> so I don't get it, but um, there's probably a lot of genuine curiosity among uh, middle schoolers and uh, they don't, maybe they haven't had as much uh, uh, like bad information necessarily as somebody that's a little older. And so maybe they're more receptive. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know either. <laughs> I can see that. I feel like the average, like me in middle school was definitely more pure than me in like 11th grade. Sure. Yeah. And then I became very unpure <laughs> because I was drinking lots of booze. What's, <laughs> what's the like, like, have you ever had any like real wild experiences in like a workshop? Has anybody ever really come at you with some, with some truly crazy shit, like wild questions? I'm trying to think. I worked at two small liberal arts colleges at, at some point. And so those would be the environments where, like, students would come at me with things. But um, I don't think it was, like, anything was super wild. Um, or, you know, like, people's questions are just their questions, you know? Like, you have to mm -hmm. be prepared for anything. Um, you know, from like all of your technology not working or, um, uh, <laughs> you know, someone coming in with like a, a thing, right? Like people come into rooms and they're like, I want to talk about a thing, um, which might not be on topic at all. Um, and you just kind of have to roll with it. Cause like, you're there to help. You're there to like, give them information. Like the workshop's not for me, right? Like I don't give a shit right. what I talk about. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, yeah, no one's come at me with something that was, like, 
no like, questions or anything like off, nothing like off base or you know no i did have a faculty member at um one institution where i worked she taught um political science and she just like straight up did not think that like the campus needed me or that like i should have been doing the work yeah. that i <laughs> yeah um and then she, yeah so she went on a little bit of a smear campaign um huh. and then her students so i did like a like i hosted a, a speaker to do like a introduction to like bdsm 101 um and Hell yeah yeah like on a college campus right um adults <laughs> and so like not only did i have like one of her students or like i think a couple of her students like start vandalizing my posters and like bdsm hurts women and i'm like that's not technically correct um but that's okay um but then i her like good friend like who's another faculty member like stood up in faculty meeting when like i wasn't there because i was a staff member and he was like we should not be having this workshop like we are like opening ourselves up to like liability it's like you know inappropriate and i was like what is happening <laughs> right that's now? fucked up yeah and it's, it's adult college students and they're gonna get into this stuff it's much better if you have you know somebody you can get into the nuances and make sure you're doing things safely and consensually then i, mean, I don't know this is the issue with all kind of dumb uh, what, what's the word for it just ignorance about sexuality or trying to push it under the rug it's still gonna it's gonna happen it's just i don't know maybe somebody doesn't know how to remove a tie and then they you know you could have like a a blood flow injury or something you know what i'm saying like it, it, it's wild to me to be singling out the person bringing up this thing how to do things safely a voluntary program yeah and how to do things safely and then have, have like faculty members especially it's wild to me yeah i was like dude you're not like here after hours like i am <laughs> like yeah he, he was like i'm not you don't being... see the stuff exactly and he's like i'm not being like prude or anything i went to bard like i understand these things ah. like, okay <laughs> Uh, so I wanted to ask now that uh, the Supreme Court uh, has a, a new member today let's all welcome Justice Barrett uh, are you prepared uh, to go into hiding and uh, for fear of being burned as a heretic for doing sex education in this country now yeah I should probably take that off my Instagram um, <laughs> you know yeah like how, like how do you experience this as like a really bleak thing like like how how worried are you for your career in that field and how worried should I be about <laughs> everything <laughs> it's a small question yeah right yeah right <laughs> um i mean i'm not going to tell you like how to live your life um you can be like as anxious and worried about things as uh you feel comfortable um, <laughs> I, you know, like, cause my work is on college campuses and like prevention is so, um, like not like specifically laid out, but it's like a real big part of, um, DeVos's, um, Title IX policy and like other, um, like federal laws for college campuses. Like I'm not going to lose my job and like other people in my field aren't going to lose their job. Um, a lot of 
actually uh, my colleagues uh, at, on other campuses got furloughed because of COVID. So that's actually like the bigger threat um, sure. than like the Supreme Court. It's like, you know, like already, like only 13 states required sex education to be medically accurate. Like what? Whoa. Like, <laughs> Whoa! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of the twenty-three um, states that have sex education, only thirteen require it to be medically accurate. So, <laughs> I love the term too, and that like these other thirty-seven states, like, so should we do medical accuracy? No, <laughs> put the penis on the back, <laughs> flip the diagrams. We're going crazy, <laughs> right? Like, how much worse are like now I'm not gonna say how much worse can things get, but like not like as of now, like I can't think of uh what would happen like right now that would like negatively impact my my like career <laughs> prospects, but you never know. <laughs> right. Oh fuck. That's good to, I mean that's good to hear in general though. And I'm sure there's something reassuring about being like directly on the ground, face to face working with people. You know, as opposed to if you were in like a more policy position where it's like, I don't know, I feel like I would get super detached and kind of down at a certain point. But I feel like being, you know, you're directly impacting lives like this. You know, you you see these people in person, typically, you know, uh, I, I, I just feel like put, doing something direct like that tends to take some of that anxiety off for me. Do you get kind of the do you get kind of the same with that with actually being able to because I don't know it's easy to stew on problems, but when you actually like have a route to contribute like that, I, I imagine that that lightens things a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Like you know, a huge part of my job is just like helping people find like access to resources, and like they already can't afford like contraception, right? Like that's already like a big expense if you're uh, not insured or underinsured. So, you know, like, that's a huge part of what I do is, like, just helping people connect to resources and, like, they're going to seek those things out, you know, regardless of what the law is, you know, or um, what restrictions are put in place. Like, I'm stockpiling, like, plan B and condoms just in case because, like, (laughs) those things are necessary. But, like, um, you know, yeah, I mean, I guess it changes things to, like be doing that one-on-one work because like at the policy level they're not seeing people trying to like find condoms and like get tested for stis and like navigate the cost of those things like policymakers don't see that and i do so yeah i guess it like helps keep my hope up a little bit knowing there's something to do i feel that have have you had any cases where somebody's come back to you and been like you really helped me out like do you do you have any things you point to and you're like damn I, I felt good about that. I imagine a lot, but anything in, in, in particular. Um, so when I left my, uh, like I, I worked at an institution in Vermont and I was there as like a student and a staff member. And I was, so I was there a total of like eight years on that campus. Um, and when I left, um, like my coworkers and friends and stuff, they put together like a, like help Robin move fund. And one of the students that I worked with, so I I also did like victim advocacy there. And one of the students I worked with um, contributed to my like moving fund and was like, thanks and good luck at your new job. And I was like, Oh my God. That's huge. (laughs) I think I cried. Yeah. (laughs) 
I imagine. That's uh, that's no, that's what I'm saying though. Stuff like that, I feel like you got to hang on to to yeah. get through some of the, just kind of the vague bleakness. If you got something specific like that, like that person's in a better place on account of you, that that's good. I feel like that's a candle that'll get you through. The more of those kind of things, people you know do to help each other. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, we, we appreciate you coming on and uh, telling us about your background. We we do have our one other traditional guest question, which is what is your most personal, well, personally, what is your most embarrassing uh, relationship or dating story? Um, yeah, so like, I have one. It's like the worst date I've ever been on. And it's the only like dating site date I've ever been on. Mm, um, <laughs> so, uh, when I was 19, like I, I didn't go to college right away. I took two years off. So, you know, when I was 19, I was like just running around Los Angeles, like, like, Oh no, like, what do I do with my life? Um, and so, <laughs> so I was like, I'll go on. Okay. Cupid. Um, <laughs> and I had a date with this girl. Um, and we like set everything up. She was like going to pick me up at like a borders or something. Um, <laughs> That's, that's how long ago it was. It was 2009. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so she shows up an hour late. Mm. Um, well, at least you had some light reading material while you were waiting. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, no call, nothing. She's just like, hey, I'm here now. I'm like, okay. Um, cool. <laughs> like, I'll still go on this date. It's not like I have self-esteem or anything. So, like... <laughs> Same! <laughs> so, like... We go and she's like, hey, do you want to go to this like dive bar? I was like, okay, I'm 19. So like, will that be weird? And she's like, no, it'll be fine. I'm like, okay. So we <laughs> we go to this dive bar in like the San Fernando Valley um, that I've never been to before or since. Um, we pull up and she's like, so the drinks here are expensive. And she pulls an entire, like a full bottle of Jaeger out of her glove compartment and two cups. Cool. <laughs> I'm like, okay, this is happening. And she's like, yeah, this is happening. So um, I hate Jaeger. Like, Ugh, it's, it's pretty awful. vile. So she pours two cups, downs hers, just like in a second. It's just gone. Um, I think I take like a couple of sips like of what I can like swallow or whatever. And we go into this bar. We play some pool, like, which is fun. I really like playing pool. And like we make out some and I'm like, this is fine. Um and then I guess we get bored of that or something. I can't really remember. Um, and we leave, get back in her car, and she pours herself another cup of Jaeger. Um, Jeez. <laughs> and you mean cup? This is like a solo cup. This yeah. isn't like a shot glass. <laughs> yeah. No, this is like, a, this oh, is like no. a cup that fits in her cup holder. <laughs> yeah, that's convenient. <laughs> right? It's like she's done this before. <laughs> and she's like, and by the way, I like... I don't have a driver's license at this point and I live in Los Angeles. So like we can't, I can't get myself anywhere. I think I have right, like a right. learner's permit at the time, but that's like the extent of my knowledge of driving. So she's driving two cups of Jaeger in mm -hmm. and she's like, Hey, do you want to go to this party um, downtown? She's like, I think, you know, it, uh, there's going to be a lot of like lesbians there or whatever. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And I was like, okay. Um, so she, Drives us to like downtown LA, drinking Jaeger the entire time, and like Jesus. 
I think she's probably telling me about herself. Like, I don't really remember. Um, <laughs> but we get there. And yes, it's like a lesbian party. I'm fairly certain it's uh, her ex-girlfriend's party. Because oh. um, like when we get there, she immediately is like, hey, everyone, I'm on this date. I'm like, hi. Uh... <laughs> um, she's like a little sloppy at this point, like is like making out like with my mouth, but not like actually like, like with, right, not right. with your mouth, but not with you. <laughs> exactly. That's an extremely good description. Like, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm like, I, I need to like leave i need to get someone's number like this needs to be worth it in some way yeah um i don't leave i don't get anyone's number it's a bust um so we leave she's like clearly drunk at this point and i'm like why don't i drive myself home um she's like okay great it's like one in the morning we're driving like back and forth across los angeles too like at this point it's just like this is the most inefficient driving experience of my life because um, I live in the valley, so I'm driving from downtown LA to the San Fernando Valley um, without a license with this like woman who's drunk, drinking Jaeger still, and she's telling me Ooh. how she has her license suspended because she's gotten too many DUIs, oh. <laughs> and she used to have one of those breathalyzers hooked into her ignition, but she just got that out. <laughs> I'm like, this is cool. Um, Great. I hope my address isn't like anywhere in this ha- in this car. <laughs> so I drive myself home to like my mom's house, right? Because I live at home. Um, and like I get there, I'm like, okay, where do you live? And she's like, I live in Pasadena. I'm like, great. Bye. <laughs> and I just yeah. leave. <laughs> Best of luck. <laughs> like, text me when you get home. Um, and then I just like go home she texts me and she's like hey you want to do this again i'm like nope <laughs> do you want to do exactly this again <laughs> like block her number and like I'm like i'm done with okay cupid i i'll go to college and like hook up with people there like i can't sure. do this anymore <laughs> um but like yeah 19 year old me had no idea that i was just sending this like drunk person to drive like 25 minutes like across the city um <laughs> Like thirty-year-old me is like, oh no, I probably shouldn't have done that. But uh. you're nineteen at the time; you don't even have a license, and and this person like is your ride and has decided they're just going to be sipping on Jaeger the entire time. I can't like I just like what do you even do? Yeah, yeah. Like there's no like rideshare apps. Like I think I still had like a flip phone at that point. Like yeah. I'm going to call a Los Angeles cab. Like, no, that those don't exist. So <laughs> it's it, no, it's especially, and I'm sure, you know, 10 years ago, even more so impossible to get around in terms of like public transit there. I'm glad you made it back safe though. Cause <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ, just the, I kind of admire the committal to being like, yeah, I used to have one of the blowing things, but I got it out. <laughs> so I got the uh, glove box Jaeger again. Yeah. <laughs> All's right in the world. <laughs> Fucking A. Well, good answer, Robin, and, and, and thank you. And now we must answer other folks' questions instead of our own having you answer our own questions. <laughs> wow, I just nailed that whole segue. <laughs> Here's the first question, though. How do you deal with your partner's phone addiction? So lately, I, 25F, 
have been noticing that my guy, 28M, spends all of his free time on his phone, even watching TV simultaneously. The only time he is not on his phone is when he's taking a shower. I, on the other hand, feel like I can't start a conversation when I see him staring at the screen. I don't see it as a genuine conversation or that he is present. This is a long-term relationship, nine years, and has been this way always. And of course, I tell him that it bothers me. I tell him often. How do you do it? Do you also use the phone as much as your partner? Do you have phone-free time? Or maybe it doesn't bother you that much. TLDR, absolutely all of his free time off work, he's glued to the screen. And it was posted by Efficient Joke 3. Have you have you run into this with, with a partner, either of y'all? Where your partner's just like constantly engaged with the screen and doesn't like engage with you? Have you had this? Yes. 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 <clears throat> yeah. Huh. Because I have. Well, I've never run into this. I don't know. Bravo, what was, what was your situation? Um, I mean, that's like me and my partner now. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah, like, uh, I'm like always on my phone. He's always on his phone. It used to bother me, like, when we were watching, like, a movie or TV show that was, like, important to me. I was like, you can't, like, get the full, like, emotional impact of, like, Buffy the Vampire Slayer if you're, like, on your phone. <laughs> true though <laughs> right um but I, I guess i got over it i don't know <laughs> yeah I, w- I was the the person doing this uh in a couple relationships in the past um probably the main one being a long one from about 10 probably eight years ago and um i don't know for me for me personally i got pretty severe adhd and i've got some flavor of anxiety disorder and sometimes it's just kind of like a compulsive thing to deal with that. You know what I mean? If you're just kind of sitting there and I don't know, you just get a little antsy and, uh, you know, it becomes a habit like, like anything else might be. Uh, and I, I think everybody's got different feelings on that. I think in general, you don't want to do that all the time, but also like reading an article or something like, I don't know. It's, it's whatever. But the issue here obviously is that, and as it was with mine, like that person does get kind of distant when they're on the phone and my partner would get upset with me and I would get, I was like, I'm anxious, but I didn't like know how to articulate it. It was just like, I have to do this thing. So obviously I didn't handle it too well. Yeah. Um, but in a later situation, like I just, I noticed that was a thing again and I really realized, Oh, this is like really associated with anxiety for me. I tend to just get kind of in a wormhole with the, with the phone. I'm going to try to catch myself when I do that. And like do something else. Um, okay. So what I'm saying is, I, but I, I don't. I don't think a lot of times. I don't think this is like a conscious choice for people that they're like on here and like I hear you talking, but I'm not listening because I'm on Buzzfeed. <laughs> I think it's just kind of a habit that it's you know easy to fall into because it's a fucking anxious world. Yeah, and I also think like it depends like what the person's doing on the phone. Like yeah, like reading an article, like your attention pretty split um like you're reading the article if there's a tv on or something but if you're just like playing like a mindless game that doesn't like require like any brain power like you can you can still be present like in whatever you're doing while you're like trying to match up three colors because that doesn't really require anything 
True. Yeah. And and that kind's different. And, and that kind of can occupy your attention in the same way, though. Mm. So I don't know if this person is similar with an anxiety thing. I kind of made a point of if I was just going to be sitting scrolling through my phone, I'd play a game on the Switch or something. I'll play a couple rounds of Mario or something. And I found that that was easier to box off and not get kind of lost in as much as just scrolling through the phone. Right. And like you're saying, Robin, with games, you can't just kind of chat with people. I mean, maybe that's a solution for it, but you're definitely going to need to let them know a little bit more, I think, that this is bothering you if this has been going on for so long. The way yeah. the way she describes it is that it is fully constant, that there's never a moment where the phone is not present. And that right. that's potentially bad right <laughs> like that could that could mean something bad psychologically for him i mean definitely so because if i'm like i i got the little touch of the adhd i think because uh i can't just like watch a thing anymore like i sit down to watch television and i'm like well i'm gonna also play a game i'm gonna also do something else you know i'm gonna be involved <laughs> in multiple things like i can't just sit and watch a thing anymore movies can't do it for me any longer way too long can't do it um so we like did come out as an anti-movie podcast on the Patreon. that's true we yes yeah subscribe to our patreon to hear about how we don't like movies <laughs> um but so i don't know maybe bring it up with him about how this is potentially you know deleterious to his mental health to be so consistently engaged with the phone because imagine 100 percent screen time Think about that. Not good, folks. Can't be good. Yeah. Can't be good. No. And I'm no That's Luddite. Not... <laughs> you know? No. But... And in, in general, like, this doesn't need to be a problem. I think this is one just in the partner's experience. If they're literally on it all the time, okay, I mean, that's a bit of a problem on its own. But, like, in general here, I think you got to talk to him more about it, but maybe try to get to the, like, reasoning for it. Like, what is he doing? Is he just playing games? Uh... Is he going through like Reddit or like the Twitter death spiral where you just keep scrolling and feeling worse, but it's hard not to do it. You know, maybe he's doing that because of anxiety or with everything going on. He's one of those people who's just trying to monitor everything a little too much. I think you've got to figure out what the root thing is here though. Cause I don't think people just do this all the time for, for no reason. Yeah. One thing my partner and I did was we sort of designated the bed when we're like both in it together as like a phone free zone. Um, mm. So we could like focus on each other and like cuddle without like both of us like on Instagram or something. Right. Um, which is like such a weird 2020 thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like doing something small like that in increments, like when you're both in bed together, like first thing in the morning or at night, like having that be a phone free zone could also be like just a small enough change that it's sustainable. And then you can start having like a bigger dialogue about like what this kind of phone is like a third in your relationship, basically. And so like, <laughs> how do you navigate that? I'm on a polycule with a Motorola. What is this? <laughs> yeah. We were we both reached for that joke at the same time. We were trying to do it. I I like that idea. I think dinner can be a good thing for that too. Yeah. If oh. it's just one meal or maybe meals in general. I kind of tried to start doing that myself as like a personal policy. 
And I was saying before, I was just, I've no, I knew I was on my phone a little bit too much. And I also think just having one of those activities or like a few times that you're just chatting in bed just together at night, it's probably going to be good. You know, it, it, it can also be like, it's hard to get off the phone because it's like, what else am I going to do? The anxiety is there, but maybe it turns out, you know, if you, if you keep these chats up a few nights, you end up liking doing, yeah. but, uh, like Robin, you're saying, I think, I think just kind of the baby step, but have something set like this. I, th- I think that is just a good entry point to dealing with this. Y'all ever, uh, fuck with the phone coaster? Oh, you put the drink on the phone. Yeah. You use your phone as a coaster. At then and during mealtime, and then you can't you can't get to it. Your drink's right there, and then you pick True, up your drink you, and you take a sip and you set it back down on your phone. And you're like, "Fuck, I can't get to the phone." It's gonna spill the drink. Yeah, we don't want that. Good technique. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, a good one on on that. So I I reckon go with something like that. Try to get to the root cause of this, but then just try to introduce and just a small thing like that, be it in in bed or, or meals or something, just a little. A little non-phone. Mm-hmm. Well, good luck, efficient joke three. What do we got next? I got some, got some bad news. Uh-oh. My GF, 19F, wants to have a sugar daddy to help pay her bills, and I, 19M, don't really like the idea of it. My girlfriend of nearly a year recently lost her job she had for three years. She's really poor with managing her money, so she doesn't have a lot saved from her job. Now she's telling me she wants to be a sugar baby. See, I don't know a lot about it. I just know that I don't really like it. I said up front to her that I didn't like it, but she insists that nothing sexual will happen. I trust her 100% that she won't have sex with them, but it doesn't sit well with me. I know I'm young and have my whole life ahead of me. I'm equally as broke as a college student, but I really love this girl. Is it worth it to let her do it? Am I controlling for telling her what she should do. Just want to just want to help from anyone. He he writes. TLDR, my GF wants a sugar daddy and I am uncomfortable with it. That was posted by Gloopus. Lupus. It's like Damn. It's like lupus, but it, there's glue. I don't know. We'll workshop it. Well, <laughs> <laughs> so this this is this is tough. Yeah. You know? And uh, this isn't something I have specifically dealt with, so I don't, I don't really know. I, I, I'm not really sure. Besides, just kind of like you got to set the boundary down. But to Arthur and Rob, and you have any experience or like know of people dealing with this in a relationship? Um, I don't know of anyone specifically in like a sugaring situation. I mean, I know people who do sex work but i they're not in long-term relationships um yeah i mean like it's possible but like it i think it to like be to like make it work right like to like be in a relationship with a sex worker whatever like sex work that is but like it requires a lot of conversation and an emotional uh, maturity that i just don't think a 19 year old dude has yeah true well, and like, uh, what what's her situation, right? Like, she she's been out of a job for a year and like doesn't have any money saved up. Like, is this like an instant sort of like? Is she like the type of person that has like 
instant gratification tendencies like i'm just going to go do the thing and like you know it's like a quick fix or you know like what is what is the like context around her decision to to pursue this like isn't money related is something she always wanted to do you know like and that's where some of the um, like emotional maturity comes into yeah I i feel like you should probably have some sort of interest in older guys with money if you want a sugar. You know what I mean? Because it's the thing you, you know, that's what the thing is. Right. You should probably have some interest in that as opposed to just having an interest in the money that comes from it. Uh, I, like, I get it too, though, because, like, this country is a fucking bitch for working people. You yeah. know, especially if you're like a, a 19 year old and out of the job. And right now, like I could also see this as being a, a kind of desperation thing and, and, and trying to figure something out. And now that I'm thinking about this, I do. I know a couple people who have who have done uh, have been sugar babies. Yeah. And but neither in relationships. I think maybe one was in a poly situation, but they were like late 20s and had clearly talked through this. You know right. what I mean? And you already have to have some of those some of those conversations with a, with a poly relationship, that communication has got to be really good there. And I think I, I, yeah, I, I don't see a way that you can just kind of jump into this with the relationship as it is where you're at in life and, and, and not have that cause some kind of problem here. No. And the fact that question asker, like when it comes down to it too, if, if you just don't like the idea of this, it's not controlling to tell her, I don't like this. Or to leave the relationship if you're not happy. It's just, but at but the same, you know, as long as you're not trying to shame her on this and like get her to do your, you just kind of got to get across that you don't like this and you can't do the relationship with this. And I think you got to draw the line in the sand there. Yeah, I can't imagine that, that, I mean, I don't know, people are different, but I can't imagine at 19, the two 19 year olds who have been dating and then are going to introduce this element in like an already kind of stressful time. That's a yeah. lot. Yeah. It's not going to be terrifyingly <laughs> chaotic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, you know, I also sympathize with needing fucking money though. Yeah. Fucking <laughs> planet sucks. Well, it's the country. But, uh, yeah. I often, I, I was chided by a, by a leftist friend of mine. Because I kept saying this world is terrible, and they looked at me and they said, "No, this country is terrible." Yeah, power structures, economic system, we hate them. People, pretty cool. Earth, pretty cool. Just clarifying <laughs> that real. Um, yeah, I but I I don't think there's kind of like a good hey, you can do this and everything is going to be okay. Answer for this, right? And if you're already just at the beginning, you know, talking about this. You don't like the idea. You're, there's a financial kind of situation going. I, I just think that's too many things to be trying to deal with at once. And I think you just kind of get it across to her. And then maybe, I don't know, if you have, if you could help her with finding a job, or I don't know if you're living together, if there's any way you could share finances. There's other routes to kind of get financial help here. Um, but, you know, ultimately it's, yeah. if your partner here wants to do it, and it's your call to leave or, or, or not. And I think you should just end it. Then. Yeah. If it's coming down to that, you know, she really wants to do this. Yeah. Yeah. You, uh, you make your concerns clear. You make it, uh, uh, perfectly understood that this is not something that you 
are comfortable with if she decides that she wants to go forward with it and you decide that you want to go forward with her while this is happening uh be ready to bail at a moment's notice like the second you get like if she's committed to this idea the second it gets to be too much for you get ready to bounce tuck and roll baby sometimes you got to do it i I hope this situation works out for both y'all though and especially on the financial financial side that that fucking sucks yep yeah Good luck to you, Glupus. And now, welcoming into the studio, it's the Radio Free Topic question box. Asking all them questions. Asking all them questions. Why you asking all them questions? Making statements. Us who? Asking all them questions. Asking all them questions. Why you asking all them questions? Making statements. Us who? It's here. The segment of the show where you, the listener, you can send your questions in to us and we'll answer them to the best of our abilities. And this week we have four questions in this question box and they're all looking pretty good. I'm, I'm excited about that. And if you're out there and you're like, I had a beautiful question I could have written, but I didn't do it. If you want to do it for the next episode, you can go to our bio at Instagram.com slash Radio Free Tote Bag. Click the question box link. And then you just type your question in and we'll read it on the show. It's anonymous. It's that simple. Here is the first one we have this week. It's so tough being in a relationship while pursuing art. As much as you love them, sometimes it feels like you have to choose between your work and them. Have you ever felt like that? Any advice that's worked for you? What do we think? Uh, I've been the artist in the relationship. Um, having a hard time balancing things. And uh, what I did was I went out to the club uh, to DJ and network. And when I wasn't out at the club, I was in the basement working on tracks, uh, much to the detriment of my relationship. And I let that fall apart and molder. And uh, I uh, regret it every day of my life. So, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, it's... It's really hard to 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 balance it because, like, if you really seriously want to pursue art, it's the kind of thing you have to you you got to let it destroy you in a certain sense. You know what I mean? Uh, what's what's the 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 phrase? Find what you love and let it kill you. <laughs> um, I want my cat to kill me. I don't like that advice because <laughs> she'll eat you when she's done. Um, true. So. I don't know, like, I think if somebody's seriously pursuing art, it's very difficult to be in a relationship with them. And I think that's just how that kind of is. And I don't really have any good advice. I think it's just going to be hard. <laughs> it's, it's something, I mean, even beyond art, any career, like, project you really want to get into, you know, sometimes this is going to happen. It can be a really big you know, chunk of your time. And then you have to worry about like day to day stuff and fitting in, you know, a relationship in there uh, on top of that can, can be tough. Um, it's one of those things. I think you just kind of got to figure out what's more important to you at the moment. Like maybe you got to really, you know, grind working on your art for a few years before you get to a more kind of established stable point. Or if you're kind of moving in that, in that direction, um, but you have to kind of, if you know that's coming up, I think you do need to just kind of make the decision that that's worth it to you. Mm -hmm. If it's a one or the other kind of situation. 
Um, I hope, but I don't think it has to be one or the other. It just kind of, I don't know. It depends how hard you're going at the, uh, at the career side. No. But like, what? we had a question in the past where somebody was leaving college, did a job opportunity that she really liked in one city. And then one she didn't like as much, but it was in a city where she could be with her partner. I think that was one of the first questions we ever yeah. had. We yeah, were I talking about just kind of like making that call between those. And I think the only advice I could give, and I think it applies to most kind of difficult choices like that, is just kind of writing out the pros and cons to it. It's a little cheesy, but having the stuff in front of you, I, I think that can help wrap your mind around it a little bit if it's like a lot of moving parts. That's true. So, so I've been, so my partner of 10 years is a photographer. Um, and so I've been with him through two photography theses, his undergrad one, and he just uh, finished his MFA. Um, Congrats. Yeah. Go him. Um, (laughs) and, um, you know, photography, depending on like, the way you do it or whatever can be extremely time consuming. It's time consuming anyway, no matter how you're doing it. You have to edit the photos, you have to like print them and printing can take hours and doesn't always go well. Um, and so the, the way, and I'm not a photographer, I'm not artistic at all. Um, and so the way we've sort of figured this out, because like, you know, these are huge chunks of his time and like, you know, I can't ask him to like not put in like all of the work into his like MFA thesis show. Like that's not feasible. Um, but he and I found a way to like include me, um, in some of the work he was doing. So for both of his shows, like I helped him like put it up. I helped him, um, like prepare all of the, all of the materials and stuff. Right. Like I can, I can hang a framed photo. I I can use a level. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, I can I can do those things. Um, you know, I uh, am interested in like comic books, so I read a lot of photo theory. Um, so I can talk to him about you know photo theory and like give him some feedback on you know his work or something, or like go with him to photograph things. Um, you know, so there's there's a a way to like also just like wrap someone else into your passion, right? Like without them actually also doing the thing um you know like you know even if it like photography is a little more mobile but like even someone who's like a sculptor or painter like you're gonna do a show or if you're going to be serious about this like you're gonna need like social media you're gonna need photos of the work you know and those are things that a partner can help with um Hmm. and like support the person in um and you know it made me feel included in his work even though I wasn't like actually doing anything um and you know or like i ran and got lunch while like him and his friend hung his show you know like there's there's ways to sort of like wrap someone else into your passion um to to make them feel included and that and that took some conversation between us and me like being open about it sometimes and like i'm feeling excluded because you just hang on with your photo friends and i don't know how to use a camera um (laughs) and so he was like okay, so, like, I'll teach you how to use a camera. I'm like, that's not going to help. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so there, you know, it does take also just some negotiation, right? Like, you're not always going to have the same interests, no matter what. And so how do you, like, help someone else feel included in that, 
thing that's taking up so much of your time. I really like that. Yeah. Plus, if you're helping with, you know, just some of the stuff, I'm sure that makes their job and work a little bit easier, too. And then you get a little extra free time there, too. Yeah. Running the merch table is a classic thing for a partner to do. You know, being involved with the with the side part of the art. That's good. That's good stuff. I'd also think like if if the other part, if both of you have some kind of, uh, you know, project that you're working on. Um, or maybe if, maybe if it's something that there is time, but they just spend a lot of time on this and you don't have your thing yet could also use it as an opportunity, maybe to explore, you know, some personal projects to work on. And then you're both working on your things, maybe even in the same location, depending on what kind of art you're working with. Um, but just, I, I, I don't know, something to kind of something that you have too. So it's not all this sitting around and waiting and also, um, I, I think that it would also just give things to to talk about and and get you a little bit closer, especially if one of you is not doing anything yet, because there's you know commonalities between kind of any art project or, or media project. So I don't maybe maybe looking at just doing something yourself too, if if that would uh, work within what you're dealing with here. Um, For sure. But good on you asking the question and like actually thinking about this and and trying to figure it out because it can be hard not to take things like that personally and just get put off. It's true. Yeah. Uh, Guys, is it weird to use mouthwash or brush my teeth after giving oral to my GF? I love doing it, but I feel compelled to wash my mouth out afterwards. Is it rude to do so? I I don't think so. I always do this if I've, you know, if butt stuff is involved. Sure. A little yeah. bit of a little bit of a hypochondriac. And so I'm like, make sure we're going to rinse with some mouthwash so I don't get infected by some butt particles. So I don't get cholera. <laughs> you know, I, I don't, I don't, I mean, I think it would be rude if you got up and you're like, whoa, I got to get the Listerine. But if you're just slipping off to the bathroom after sex, I don't, I think that's normal. If she asks about it, maybe just, you know, explain. What do you think? I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on how you're going about it. You know, like, again, if you're just like, oh, no, I got to go brush my teeth. Like, that's not (laughs) that doesn't feel great. Um, Maybe maybe it has to do with, like, how hard you brush your teeth after. (laughs) So if you go in, if you go in, it's just like a casual brush. That's fine. But if you go in the other room and all she hears is <laughs> like you're fucking just cranking it. Like, oh, it, have, you, like... have you seen the flaws? <laughs> hey, I need the water pick attachment. <laughs> I'm out of whitening strips. <laughs> yeah, I, I think this is just, it's all tone. Yeah. Don't make yeah. a don't make a thing out of it. You know, she has just be like, I don't know, just trying to oral hygiene, put in my mouth unusual places. Try not to know. run to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, just just be cool about it. I don't, I, and I don't think it's rude. True ass. Sweet. Ask one and answer on that one. Yeah. Next one. I'm dating a woman. We get along pretty well. She informed me that she has HSV2 the first time we undressed in front of each other. I did some research later, and while HSV2 is not that big of a deal, I have consistently seen that it is possible to contract HSV2 even with proper condom use. 
We have not had penetrative sex yet, and I don't want to contract HSV2. I'm pretty sure that the fear will just be something that eats away at me if we do have P and V sex. The alternative is a sexless relationship, and I doubt anybody would want that. Am I just being too paranoid about the risk? What do we think? I, I feel like I must defer to the expert here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so my understanding, and, you know, I definitely, like, defer to your partner's doctor <laughs> um, about this, but, like, it's not 100% contagious 100% of the time. Um, so it definitely talk, like requires a conversation about... Um, you know, like if there's an out, you know, if, if she's showing symptoms, um, you know, if, you know, you have any, like, like we all get like sores or cuts or ingrown hairs or whatever. Like if you have anything that could potentially, um, put you like at an increased risk, um, as well, but like, yeah, I mean, you're just going to need like condoms and dental dams. Um, if you want to like, be preventative like a hundred percent of the time um but but no like people people with herpes have pv sex all the time like um without transmitting it it's just a matter of like you really have to be in conversation about like where that person's at and where you're at physically um and make sure that you like trust the barriers that you're using um you know and and Make sure it doesn't like irritate it if you know, you know she's having like a flare up or something. But um, you know, good on her for telling you, and good on you for asking like health questions. Like that's great. <laughs> yeah, definitely, and especially with with something like herpes, there's so much of like a cultural thing wrapped up in it, and like oh, it's disgusting, and it you know you'll never have sex again type of thing. But like when it comes down to it, it's a pretty it's a pretty common thing. And I'm not saying, hey, if you have an outbreak, who gives a shit? Let's right. go fucking whole hog here. But it, it it is something like if you're using condoms and you just keeping the communication with your partner, you're avoiding having sex during outbreaks. Uh, I, I personally dated somebody like this several years ago who immediately told me uh, the first time, you know, it was kind of leading towards sex that, you know, she had it. She hadn't had an outbreak in a while, but like wanted to tell me. And I had the same thing of like, oh man, I mean, should I drop this? Cause I'm going to get wigged out. But I, I, from the research I did and my understanding, like as long as you are on top of it like that and you do get tested, I ended up be, not contracting it at all. Um, it, it, it's not something that has to destroy everything. Right. You're, you're totally within your rights, especially if you have, you know, like an autoimmune disorder or something to be like, I can't deal with this. That doesn't make you a bad person. But if if it is something that it's just more like the socially herpes is spooky thing, I I think doing some research, talking to your partner, and taking the preventative steps, I mean, I I think I think that'll go all right for most people. You don't have herpes all the time. You're not just covered in sores forever from that day <laughs> yeah. forth. If I uh, if I may uh, direct our listening audience to episode two hundred and fifty four of Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. Uh, the episode is entitled The Herpes-Centric Thanksgiving Special. Uh, it's where Dr. Sidney McElroy and her husband Justin McElroy uh, talk about the history of the stigmatization of herpes 
Um, and it's uh, fascinating. They say, <laughs> uh, "Let's." How did they put it? This Thanksgiving, Doctor Sydney and Justin invite you on their ambitious quest to use the biggest family meal of the year to destigmatize herpes. <laughs> no more waiting for your problematic uncle to make things weird. This year, you'll be the one starting the uncomfortable conversation. Hell yeah. Talk to nice. your families about herpes at Thanksgiving. It is definitely a better topic of conversation than most other things. That's true. Mm-hmm. We got one more in the box, and this one's a doozer. Uh, my 20M girlfriend 19F is extremely pro-life while I am pro-choice. She isn't a communist like I am, but she started to adopt more left-wing views after being with each other for over a year. <clears throat> but one thing she's super adamant about not changing is being pro-life. We both agree that if we were to have kids in the future, we would want to keep them, but uh, we still have arguments on the subject. She's much more well-read than me, so I feel like I can't defend myself when my position comes down to, quote, I just think that women should have full control over their bodies. And I don't really know how to tell her that the science she refers to is mostly just right-wing misinformation. We both love each other very much, and I do believe that we're a perfect match. But she said many times that this is the most important thing in the world to her. I want to be a loving and caring partner and still respect her opinions and not mansplain anything. How can I continue to be a good partner when we agree on most issues except for this really big one? TLDR, thanks for using the format of the program, (laughs) question asker. Uh, My girlfriend is pro-life while I am pro-choice, and I want to be a better partner while not mansplaining to her. Damn. I wouldn't have the patience. Either. But it seems like it's going well for y'all in general. And you're, I, I'm interested that, you know, this person is, is an avowed communist here, but has fallen in with somebody, you know, in a relationship who's like a big pro-life person. That is interesting to me, but it seems to be working, you know? Uh, I'm personally just kind of like what you said, Arthur. I couldn't deal with this. And I, I think like the pro-life movement is pretty fundamentally evil. Um, But I do understand how people just kind of get onto this, you know, you're surrounded by propaganda related to this. I know in college, the abortion people are showing pictures of mangled fetuses and shit and trying to like turn it into this big horrific thing. And if you don't have a lot of knowledge on it, which is very likely in this country with our education system, I it could be easy to be like, damn, that's fucking evil. Uh, I don't like that. And if you're just reading you know, what you're calling right-wing misinformation here. It's just going to be reinforcing that. But the fact that she's coming around to left-wing views on some other things, and also y'all are 20 and 19, I do think people can change with these things. And you Mm. do agree on what to do if you have a kid. Because that, I mean, that would normally be my my biggest thing here. Um, They gradually push her to the cool side. Yeah. Like, what do you do? What's the biggest piece what's like the biggest information bomb that you could drop what's like the factoid that you could just be like this is irrefutable what do you say so fetuses have hands two weeks and they could punch you in the face if you're not careful (laughs) yeah it's self-defense it's fucking self-defense the abortion they're loose cannons (laughs) 
Oh, that's very good. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, as far as like a specific like piece of information here, like I, the thing. I mean, I, I was raised Catholic in Catholic school and was surrounded by that you know anti-abortion propaganda that's that's pretty standard you know, within schools like that. And I think the thing for me is you just gotta like you need to understand what somebody is going through when they're going to have an abortion yeah. beyond just, Oh, they're t- they could get it adopted. This is the easy way out. Cause like, it's not like that. There are so many fucking nuances to this. There are medical issues with having a child in the first place. Like it, 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 it you know what you said and what everybody always said, like it really is about you know, the, the person who's pregnant here is body. And, uh, you can't be telling everybody to to have a baby because there's all kinds of situations that are really fucked up and it's okay to be like, I personally wouldn't have an abortion, but it's just like, I think you got to tell her that that part's okay, but stop telling other people what. Yeah. And here's some situations of what people have gone through. You know, you just gotta, I think show her some of the nuance of this because it is not a black and white thing. Yeah. And I, I also think like, like, Abortion's tied up in a lot of other stuff that people have strong feelings about, too. And so when when he says, like, we agree on everything else, I'm like, do you, though? Because, yeah. like, you know, often people's feelings about abortion, it's also tied into, like, feelings about, like, access to contraception, like, sexual assault, you know, um, immigration, <laughs> you know? Like, it, it weirdly, like, spans out into a bunch of other issues um and so like on one on the one hand like absolutely like my i had several hundred wrong opinions at 19 um, and, <laughs> and i'm glad i didn't i wasn't on social media at the time because sure. that would be embarrassing <laughs> i was <laughs> um i had to delete mine because i was like too fixated on my ex you know like you just you gotta delete your facebook sometimes um yes <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like, I, you, you live and you learn and you, like, meet new people and then your opinions change. You're allowed to have a change of heart. Um, and I was very firm on things at 19 that I am not very firm at 30 on, you know? So, but, like, I also think, like, you know, if you are, if you do have the patience to be in a relationship with someone that you're constantly educating on a particular topic, like, you know, be prepared to also have like a really hard conversation about something that may not seem related, but is related politically to that topic. Mm, right. Um, and some of those topics might be deal breakers, you know, um, like, and I, I'm also just curious, like, where this person, this like 19 year old person's coming from, like, is it just like surrounded by propaganda? Is there some like, history friends you know like like this person is so firm in this one belief but it apparently is malleable in others um i'm curious also just like what what's going on for this person like what kind of support do they need (laughs) um as well right um but yeah like it's it's entirely pot like this could go any direction right this person a wild card um politically um (laughs) Yeah, they they got a communist boyfriend. That's a step in the right direction. Right, communist boyfriend, rescue (laughs) me from my ideology. Uh, I just want to drop a quick uh, abortion statistic 
here. This actually comes from uh, America, the Jesuit Review. Hey. So this is from a this is from a Catholic source. Uh, are the cool Catholics in general, though. This is in general. this is true. This is true. Uh, according to the latest numbers from the Guttmacher Institute, 24% of women who procure abortions identify as Catholic in the U.S. Yeah. So Catholics get fucking abortions. Like, it's they're, people are getting them for all kinds of fucking reasons, and they're their reasons, and you, we all should respect that. Because it's, it's, it's also just, especially until you've gone through this or seen somebody gone, you know, through kind of the process of needing to get an abortion. It, it, and especially when you're younger, it's very easy to make it cut and dry. They're killing babies. Do you want babies to be alive? Yeah. Okay. Then you're fucking anti-abortion. And it really is. I mean, I was fucking like that yeah, for a sure. while. Cause you just grow up surrounded by that. But yeah. then you get in the situation, you see a friend where it's like, you know, there's potential medical complications to this or like they're not in a situation. They want to be raising a child. Right. Or there's a million fucking valid reasons for it. It's not just, again, I don't feel like doing this. Let's smush the fucking baby, which ultimately yeah. is probably just a bundle of cells, too. It's just. I think a lot of people's views on things like that just kind of come from this starting place that is just kind of simplified. And. You gotta, you gotta get that nuance in there, uh, to to get them to understand it. It's really just easy to say, "Hey, they're killing babies. It's bad." Versus, well, in this situation, that's probably the better alternative. Yeah, you know, all all throughout. Yeah, it's gonna be a gradual. It's gonna be a gradual thing. Um, I hope she comes around, but I just don't, don't. Ultimately, like. You're probably not perfect matches. You're 20 and 19. Just talking about stats and personal relationship experience. That's rarely. It's just going to be the one, and you know, right now. Yeah. And I think putting this kind of pressure on things that you're a perfect match, except for this, I think is going to put a lot of pressure on this issue potentially. So I guess just what I'm saying on top of everything else, just be ready to separate if need be. You may not be perfectly compatible, but try to work and see if you can, you know, move more along to that point on this particular issue just just know you can drop out if you need to we gave that advice a lot on this episode we're like get ready <laughs> just be ready to bounce <laughs> but you gotta be it's just yeah. getting a really bad mental and just like emotional and reasoning space when your whole premise is this this person we're perfect for each other now how do we fix all these horrible things <laughs> <laughs> sure uh, on a personal note, uh, I don't have a child because of abortion, and uh, I certainly am not in a position to be a father, and I don't know how my life would have been different along the way, but I'm glad it exists, and I'm glad that uh, she and I don't have to talk to or look at each other anymore, because <laughs> it wasn't good. If you had had that kid, Radio Free Tote Bag would not Wouldn't exist, exist, which is podcast abortion. <laughs> nuance folks <laughs> all right we did it we're here at the end of the show we fucking Woo. pulled up we pulled up out of a abor- we're closing on an abortion question folks we Hell did yeah. it that's fucking podcast tightrope walking right there <laughs> And we got to give a round of applause to Robin for Absolutely. coming on the show. You were Thank excellent. you so much. Oh, thanks, guys, for having me. I had a lot of fun. I'm glad. Uh, 
Do you have anything you want to plug? Or, yeah. Uh, social media for people to follow or anything? Um. Yeah. I mean, my like Instagram is like not terribly interesting, but if you um like had any questions um for me or want like any resources, I know a ton of like relationship therapists, sex therapists, sex educators. So you can um you can follow me on Instagram or you can just like message me on Instagram. I'm at Frozen Puddy, P U D D Y. Giga Puddy! <laughs> I just never change my screen name, so. <laughs> um, I like that, though. Yeah, and I just know, like, books and podcasts. Like, I just can't recommend things enough. So, yeah, just, you know, reach out if you have any any more questions. And, yeah. Right on. I'm I'm sure people appreciate that. And we'll we'll put your uh your Instagram handle uh in the bio uh for people to click on if that's easier. And uh yeah, thank you again, Robin. Yeah. Our intro song is the song Hanging On by the band Knower. You can find their music at knowermusic.bandcamp.com. And our outro song is the song Stephanie by the Hayfellows. You can find them at Instagram.com slash the Hayfellows or on Spotify. Search them three magic words. It's the Hayfellows. I'm going to give a big thank you to our listeners as I do every week. You guys are the reason we do this. Uh, your, your listens to our program power us up and get us through the dark times. And uh, yeah, we, we really appreciate it. And uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna get right here. You hear? You feel that? I'm right here with you. And I'm no. gonna, and I'm gonna no. say, I'm gonna say, I love you. Thanks. Bye. Oh God, that was the closest one yet.